Hello and welcome to Life in Translation, the podcast where we discuss trends and developments in the translation and localization industry. I'm your host, Aaron Alder, and today we are sitting down with Kyle Adair. Kyle served in the U.S. Army as a captain, helping to build relationships and communication effectively in foreign countries. Those communication skills translated in, into being a co-owner at In What Language, a great company, and and then being vice president of sales for a U.S. Trans- translation company, also a great company. Now he's founded his own LSP, Transcend Translation, that has been in operation since 2021. Kyle, thanks for joining me for a few minutes, my friend. I appreciate it. Hey, Aaron, thank you so much. It's an honor to be on your, uh, your podcast here. Uh, Kyle, did I miss anything in the introduction? And if I have, um, spend a little time introducing yourself. No, I mean, when it comes to translation, I think that's a pretty good short synopsis of of kind of my history. Um, I will say it wasn't until um, you mentioned about my time in the military. Um, I'll probably add just a little bit more. My my time actually goes further back when it comes to being in the translation industry. I didn't realize that until after I'd got in for about six months. And I realized how much I really enjoy the translation industry and how passionate I was about it. Um, before that, I was working for a Fortune 500 company, uh, managing as what they call an AMP, Advanced Management Partner for a Fortune 500 company, kind of moving up the ranks in that aspect. And then before that was in the military. But if I go way back, my dad was in the Marines for 24 years uh, as an officer. We lived in places of uh, Japan for three years. We lived in Scotland for two years. Uh, and then I personally went on a, a church mission for two years with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, to Argentina. And that's where I picked up my Spanish and still fluent today uh, with that. And then uh, also, in as my time in the military as an officer, I did two deployments to Iraq. And during that time, again, I had my interpreters, but I managed a team of 18 interpreters as well overall for our unit. And so looking at when I finally got into the translation industry, um, I realized I had so much experience of going around the world, living around the world, seeing different cultures, using interpreters, seeing translations, things like that, that uh, it, it just kind of brightened my mind and thought, wow, this is this is where I want to be for a career. Did all your interpreters, were they all locals or were some of them trained in the military? What were they like? Uh, great question. Um, they were actually all locals there in Iraq that their, um, their caliber and their, their uh, language skills were sufficient. And they were, you know, contracted out by a major company that got the contract with the military, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but all of them, again, each of them were, were very good in their own aspects of being able to interpret it. Some people were very personable and so they could get a, a, away with that, but maybe their English wasn't quite as good, but I could understand them. And then you had the people that their language skills were were absolutely on point, which was fantastic as well too. So they, they varied in degree. And depending on the mission that I was going on, uh, again, being in charge of all the interpreters, I could select which ones. I had other officers come to me and go, hey, I've got this really important meeting. I gotta I got to understand it really well. And so I'd assign certain interpreters for those compared to, hey, we're going on a mission. We might not run into anybody. It might just be kicking down doors and, and trying to find bad guys. And so maybe we don't need as much of like really clear, crisp communication in, in the uh, terms of interpretation. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. I also think of 13 hours. Have you seen the movie 13 hours? Yeah. Um, yep. And I think of, of that one interpreter. Um, who was really personable and friendly and and loyal um i'm getting a little bit sidetracked here but i'm curious um how, did you 
you mentioned that some of them, you know, they all had their own personalities. Did, did you ever feel that way? Did you ever feel like they were protecting you or had your best interest at heart? Or do you ever feel that some of them did not at times have your best interest? Um, I always felt like they had my, my best interest. I'll share a quick story. Uh, that's really interesting. One of my interpreters, uh, Christian, he was the biggest, he loved working out in the gym, just like many of us in the military. Uh, and he definitely had the muscles to, to show for it as well, too. Uh, Christian was very interesting because he truly was a Christian in an Arabic world. And there was uh, some frightening times right in 2009 when I was there that uh, there's a lot of execution of Christians going on at that time. Yeah. And uh, he we had to send him home and we knew possibly he might not come back because he was so fearful for his his family. So we were able to kind of break that contract so he could go do that because it was happening particularly in the in the northern parts of Iraq at that time. But uh, the story with Christian, this is happens to be out of all the times I've been shot at, blown up, all this other stuff. There was only one time in particular that I could say that I was actually really scared. We went to our compound, which we had a, a, a company, which is about 100 people. We had our little compound that we had. And right next to it was a Iraqi police compound as well, too. We were training the Iraqi police. They were brand new um, and trying to help them get up to speed on certain tactics and things like that so they could patrol the area and make their area safe. And so I'd meet almost every day with the uh, commander of that compound or that police station. And so after a patrol got back and we were just dead tired, we had been out for almost 24 hours at that point. Instead of having my men come with me, I said, ah, it's right next to each other. I just got to go outside the compound. And then I go in their compound, should be safe, should be fine. And I made the very poor decision to just go over there. And I had my nine millimeter weapon. I didn't bring my N4. And I actually dropped all my body armor at that point as well, too. And so, um, and again, I had done this dozens and I mean, literally probably a hundred plus times at this point. And so I thought, I'm okay. So I grabbed Christian. I said, hey, let's just go over there real quick. And so we walk over there and we get to their little, you know, arm guard of the, you know, where, how they get in their vehicles and, and it just up, uh, they raise it and then lower it down. And there's four guards over there. And one of them just started yelling at me and I couldn't understand anything that he was saying. Obviously it was in Arabic and he wasn't saying any words that I particularly knew. And I found out why he was basically cussing me out so mad, so angry and was telling me I need to pay him money. I need to pay him money directly. And I said, Hey, you know, one question, understood what was going on he goes it doesn't work like that and you don't talk to him like that either you know and got into almost what i thought was just going to be a fist fight right there only problem is they all have their 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 ak-47s okay these rifles i have my nine millimeter pistol christian our interpreters never had any weapons on them okay yeah. and so ultimately uh it got to a very heated debate and he's telling me more of what's going on and this guy's very mad. He basically just wanted me to give him money somehow, you know, some back end way. And it doesn't work like that. And we started walking away because it was a very, very heated conversation. And I start walking away with him just to kind of cool down the situation to walk into the military police station. And I, I, I didn't look at Christian, but we're just walking. And I said, Christian, do you think he's going to shoot us? And he said, most likely. And so I am no body armor on or like that. I'm playing out Jason Bourne in my mind, how I'm going to turn around, spin move, pull out my nine millimeter, get some shots off, get him, maybe get the other guys because they're, they're just as mad too. Cause they're his buddies, you know, and, uh, and said a little prayer and thankfully nothing happened. 
went in there, told the police chief, and um, sadly, they do things a little bit different in the Middle East. And I know he got he got beat up really, really good. So, yeah. Wow, that's intense. That's yeah. intense. I I just have this whole scene in my head and thinking about how that happened and how I would be um, scared, just scared to death, literally. Yeah, that. like I said, wow. funny, when bullets were whizzing past me or one of our vehicles got blown up, that was less scary for whatever reason. I think my mind was already in mode there. It's very different when, you know, you got no body armor, you got nothing going on yeah. and you've just realized. No protection. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, so. uh, that's awesome that he... Uh, that he had your back in, in many ways there. So I appreciate, I appreciate him doing that. Um, that's, those are, those are awesome stories. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I want to talk about your journey, founding your own LSP. Um, what first connected you for the languages? You talked a little bit about that, but maybe if you answer that question, what first connected you, uh, you to working in foreign languages? Yeah, I think the the big thing was, is I happened to just be going, you know what, a career with this Fortune 500 company uh, is called Cintas. If you ever see, they have all the vehicles with the white, white vans or white, you know, uh, you know, trucks. And it says C-I-N-T-S in, uh, in blue. Funny enough, in Spanish, that means tape, but you know, that, that, that makes no difference. They never changed the name, you know, so uh, running into Spanish people, they're like, oh, Cintas do you have tape? Do you have those materials? No, we don't have those materials. That's not what we sell. That's not what we do. But anyways, I, I realized that it wasn't a long-term fit that I was looking for. Um, I was working a lot of hours and it just was not, again, it just wasn't really what I was looking for. It wasn't very family friendly in that aspect. So I was looking at a transition. I had a friend that said, Hey, you should meet this other friend. And it happened to be uh, Cody Broderick, who was the CEO uh, and founder of In What Language. And we talked and then all of a sudden he goes, hey, and it had nothing really to do with me coming to join him. Actually, it was just more of a meeting at the very end. He just out of nowhere. Hey, you should come join my company and uh, and take over sales for us. Uh, um, OK, I'll think about it. Anyways, long story short, join the company. And again, I think the biggest thing was about six months into it. That's when the light bulb clicked. And I thought I've been doing interpretation and translation my whole entire life, not in the sense of me personally doing it. Although I did when I was at the Fortune 500 company, they go, hey, we got a bunch of Spanish uh, workers here. Can you train them on this training that they need to go through in Spanish because their English is horrible? So I've done that before. So I did some interpretation um, when I was on a, a church mission down in Argentina. Lots of interpretation, lots of, you know, teaching people English or and vice versa. When I came back here, teaching people Spanish, a little bit of that as well, too. So just kind of all these things added up that I thought again, about six months into my translation career, like this is what I was made for. And I realized I was very passionate about it in the sense that I would get up in the morning compared to all my other you know, careers in the military and uh, working at a Ford, Fortune 500 company. Um, I woke up and I was excited about the challenge of helping companies and helping people communicate in other languages. And I can pretty much say to this point, this day, every single day, I'm excited to get up and and do that because I'm fixing problems. I'm helping people connect. And that's really where my passion is, I would say. I think, Aaron, we've talked about that in the past. Uh, for me, it's not so much of like the linguistic side of it. It's more about connecting people, helping them communicate. Because I got to see firsthand, especially in the military, where life and death was on the mat on, you know, it mattered, you know. Right. If you translated and interpreted correctly, things went very well. When I saw when it went bad. I saw things get really, really bad as well, too. Yeah. 
How has your military experience helped you, do you think, in in um, in uh, forming or founding and, and operating uh, your own LSP? Ooh. I, I would say, I mean, and this is probably a classic answer, but the discipline. Um, it's not easy starting a company. It's not easy, uh, you know, in a sense, being alone. You know, you're the only you're the first employee. You're trying to figure that out along the way. Yeah. Um, I think the discipline of knowing how to make things work what to do, um, moving forward when, you know, a lot of people might give up in that aspect. So I think those things were instilled to me when I was young, fortified that I was doing it, not, you know, my dad helping me or pushing me or, or great parents and other friends that I had. It was now in the military and it was, you go do it because that's your duty. Uh, I'm big on duty, honor, country. If you've ever heard that speech uh, from way back when, um, I, I, that those things resonate with me and that's kind of my duty to go do that. And it's my duty. I look at to continue to grow a great company first and foremost for our clients. So they can succeed, um, nationally or, you know, domestically, because there's a lot of Spanish speakers here in the United States and other languages, and especially internationally, uh, as we help a lot of different clients as they're moving towards that. And then on the other side, secondarily to my employees that, that, that we bring on to make sure that they have a good lifestyle, a good work-life balance, and get paid very well as well too for doing that. Yeah. So you you've worked for other LSPs, other companies. Um, why was it important for you to start your own? Um, yeah. and you it's kind of it's kind of funny. I've I've thought about this quite a bit. For me, just a light bulb went on. Um, so I was working at In What Language uh, for about five years or so. And then decided to to transition. Um, ultimately, just there were some decisions that the company was making that I said, "Hey, I think it's best that that I move on." Um, and then I started doing basically consulting work for other translation companies as well, too, helping them grow. We had rapid growth. It was a really really fun time, very enjoyable. Um, and then started consulting with other people. And you know, you can only consult so much, and you go, "Why wouldn't they do this?" I understand there's budgetary constraints. And then ultimately it came down to uh, just being really clear in my mind of like, well, it's time that you do that, Kyle, go implement that, go do that and build that company that, that needs to do that. So uh, that was probably my, my biggest kind of light bulb and driving force is realizing like all these things that I've learned that, you know, throughout the years to, to implement those and to do those. And when you have full control of your company, you're able to do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember I told you earlier about I got tired of doing this right and um and I've worked for other co companies other LSPs and um I I knew that ultimately at some point I would I would not be doing this I would be my own boss and, and funny enough compared to other at least entrepreneurs that I know a lot of people like you said they wanted to be their own boss um I I've never really cared so much for that because and maybe you can speak to this Aaron um, yeah, I'm my own boss. Uh, I feel like more than ever, I, I actually have more bosses than ever, our <laughs> clients and our employees. And I've got lots of employees and even more clients. And so, uh, because I always, I have that, op that duty, you know, um, to, to serve them absolutely to the best of our ability and my ability as well too. So, um, so I've never really felt like, oh, I've got, I want to be my own boss in that aspect. I mean, yeah, there's definitely some perks, but at the same time, it's more about just treating people right and doing things. And that was one of the reasons why I started the company um, is because I wanted to treat treat people really, really well and and get exactly what they would expect and and, and deserve. How, has 
your time working in other LSPs helped you in, in what you do today? Uh, I mean, that's, it, that's huge. I think understanding um, how people want to work, uh, seeing, you know, I've worked with very, very big Fortune 500 companies, and some of them really know their translation and know exactly what they want to do. Some great lessons that I've learned from seeing them and then also seeing people, you know, other LSPs in the professional world and how really things kind of work. Because it, again, everybody wants perfect translation until you start bringing up budgets and timelines, you know, <laughs> and then that can kind of shift and alter things. And then ultimately being able to provide options for those people and realize that there are options. You know, a lot of times we get stuck of going, well, you said you want it to be perfect. So this is the way to get it perfect, you know? Right. Um, and then budgets, timelines, everything else comes in. And so you realize you got to look at some different paths. And so you got to be flexible, you know, flexible for what people want as their end state. And a lot of times that instead is, hey, we need it cheaper than what we thought and we need it faster than what we thought. And the quality is our number one thing, <laughs> but somehow we still need the quality to be high, you know? <laughs> Give us your hot take. Um, and if I remember right, your hot take is something that maybe isn't the norm for kind of the industry or translation. Is that correct? Yeah, and that you think is important to you and your company or the industry as a whole, what's going to, you know, what's coming, what's going to be important, you know, whatever. Yeah, that yeah. So I'll, I'll uh, I think it's going to come down to my number one mantra. All our employees know this. Our clients don't. They, you know, hopefully they feel it. And it's a term uh, that I coined. It's called care like I care. That's our number one thing. When I interview people and you know new employees, and we talk about it probably on a monthly basis. And I love when my my employees you know echo that to other employees or to myself. You know, care like I care. And the reason why is I want everybody to say be able to say that. I want you when they're talking to another employee. I want you to care as much as I care about our client success. I want you to care as much as I care about our linguists, our translators, our interpreters. I want you to care about them because what I've realized throughout my years is, and it took a long time to realize this, I get frustrated sometimes with other employees, translators, interpreters, um, definitely clients. I realize I don't do well when I'm working with people that don't really care. If they're just like, it's good enough, it's fine, you know, kind of thing. Um, oh, we just missed the the deadline by a, a, by a few hours. It doesn't matter or for you days or whatever it is. I realize I don't do well with those people because I, I care about it. And I would actually surprisingly say I care about our client success, maybe almost more than they do, even though their jobs are on the line in that aspect, you know? Um, and so I really care about, care about them. And so kind of my, my, you know, the hot take is there, you've got to care because ultimately that's something that in the, I'll give one example real quick. We are big on utilizing a translation style guide. We require, require all of our clients to fill out a translation style guide. We have a template. It makes it very simple. It's a one page document. It's about 15 questions. I'm always shocked on massive companies or other companies that they've been working for multiple with multiple translation companies and they don't have a translation style guide. I go, do, do your people know who the target audience is? Well, yeah, I think so. Well, without a translation style guide, that linguist, and who knows if they're using the same translator over and over again. And so it's always shocking. And so this is something that I'm, I'm passionate about. I'm like, 
you got to care. You got to, you can't just go, great, we got the business. We're going to be working with this company. We're going to do the translations. Great, good. And they don't onboard the client correctly of translation style guides, glossaries, pronunciation guides, if you're doing voiceover, things like that as well, too. I'm always shocked on when they don't do that. So that's something I'm very passionate about because if you're going to do it, do it right. Care, and, and again, going back to it, care like I care about it. And my hope is that I have employees and I have partners and other people that care just as much or actually even more than I do because those are the people I work really, really well with. Awesome, Kyle. I appreciate that. That's a great hot take. And um, um, I think we all can learn from that. Care like I care. So you have a good day. I appreciate the time. I'm hey, Aaron. Talk. Thanks so much. Always I'm a pleasure. This has been Life in Translation. Thank you for tuning in and staying up to date with the latest trends in translation and localization. If you like what you heard, subscribe to LIT wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to see more, check us out on YouTube as well. Thank you.